Hi, I'm Jess and I'm the oldest. Oi, I'm the oldest. I'm Shti, I'm the dad and this is actually my podcast. And I'm Tommy, I'm the youngest. Welcome to the podcast. The, the heart of hearts, we're all very creative. I've had a very interesting life. You've travelled all over the world. I remember being... Oh, interesting. This is not how I remember the story. Pints are not a good measure for filling Jagles' fuel. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dad, what's your story? Well, I thought I would tell this little uh, yarn because it sort of leads into an awful lot of the rest of my life. Now, it goes back to when I was a teenager, 1977. I was 18. And at that time, I used to knock around with one of my best friends called Andrew, who will feature a lot in this uh, the coming episodes. And uh, we got up to all sorts of scrapes as teenagers, um, largely around cars, so, for example, when I was first trying to attack the attention of my wife and your mother, I had a joint share of um, uh, two Morris Miners and a Jaguar with, with Andrew. And we used to do all sorts of things with these old cars. And always, always on the lookout for an interesting old car to sort of divert us from the ones we'd already got. Can I just ask, what's a joint share? A joint share is where you own half, own a bit of a car. Ah, you jointly share it. <laughs> it's sort of in the name. I mean, a car share, really, not a joint share. So anyway, we saw advertised in the local paper um, a Mercedes SE280 saloon car. Now, we didn't know much about this, but it was we knew it was a swanky car. And it was only £400. So we'd got between us £400. And the idea was we would... If we went to see it, we would we would pay half each and and get this car. And we went over to see it, and it was it was gorgeous. It was sort of royal blue, uh, colour and four door, and enormous head headlights, huge headlights, and that's the main thing I remember about it. Actually, do you um, know how much four hundred pounds would be approximately now? Well, I'm guessing it's probably at least fifteen hundred for the two of us. So I'm sure it's okay. probably about double. I would guess. Um, yeah. It was a it's a reason out of money anyway, and and you'll see that a little bit in a little bit later on because we went over to see this car and um, leapt into it, sunk into its leather seats, and the owner let us just drive off in it and go and have a test drive. She so said, "I've got your car," so which was a Morris Minor, half each, and um, so off we went round Guildford in this uh, beautiful saloon car, and came back and said, "Yeah, okay, we'll have it. We'll come back on Saturday, bring the money, and and take it." Well, on Saturday, we, we pitched up with our sort of untraceable used notes in £400 to buy this car, and it wouldn't start. The blinking car wouldn't start. It run beautifully the last time we saw it. And no matter what this chap did with cables and jump starts and pushing it, it, it wouldn't start. So we couldn't, we couldn't buy it. And because we didn't buy that car, we decided to spend the £400 that we'd saved on going to visit... Andrew's sister, who was working in Thailand. <laughs> That's such a curve. Sounds like such a curveball decision. That is. Oh, it, it was over a pint of beer or something like that, without any real thoughts. We oh. haven't got a car. Very disappointed. Let's go to Thailand. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I, I had just finished school, so it was the summer was ahead of us, and um, we booked uh, booked flights on Royal Jordanian, which were pretty much exactly two hundred pounds each. Hmm. So you know, that was a good sign. And I mean, the thing about remember about Royal Jordanian was that I got on the aircraft in uh, in London and when they asked me to fasten the seatbelt the seatbelt came off in my hand one of the halves <laughs> of it and um, which wasn't a good sign but uh, so I attracted the attention of the stewardess but the flight was completely full so she said 
Or just just tuck it in so it looks like it's connected. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Not the most reassuring of policies. That wouldn't, that wouldn't fly on Twitter these days. Mm. It wouldn't fly on Twitter. So anyway, um, we got we got we um, got on the plane went out to Thailand, and Andrew's sister was working as a nurse on the. There's a, a country that borders Thailand, Cambodia. It's, it's changed its name quite a lot. It's called Cambodia again now. Um, and uh, at that point, it had been uh, in a war kind of situation for for many years. So there were large numbers of refugees that had run away from Cambodia and gone to camp in Thailand. There was about two hundred and fifty thousand of these refugees. And Lois, Andrew's sister, was uh, was was a nurse working in mother and child health clinics amongst these uh, two hundred and fifty thousand refugees. So it was a really really interesting place to be. And. Um, we uh, we we arrived there and spent about two weeks, I think, down on the border, going into the camps and sort of helping out with the projects. They had all sorts of things. They were they were building bamboo um, houses for the refugees. They were distributing water, food, um, and as I say, the, the clinic program. So it was it was massively interesting experience. And one of the things that I remember very clearly, which sort of taught me a lesson, really, was that uh, it, this particular um, humanitarian problem was being supported from people all around the world and they were sending lots of goods and gear for for the refugees. And one day a container load of supplies arrived, which we went down to help open. And when we opened it, the, last, the vast majority of this container was full of car spares for American Pontiac cars, <laughs> which was so random because that wasn't... So some dealership in somewhere had decided to donate all those parts is that what you mean yes some, i mean who reason? knows why and possibly a generous gesture but completely inappropriate and you think of the money of shipping it all to the yeah. uh, across the world i mean it was an absolute um gold mine for us we were we were ferreting around in that container oh because you love cars these, so much yeah i mean we, we but mm. these were sort of great spangly sort of fins for the back of an american huge american car and the lights so anyway we had a lot of fun with that but, um, I mean, what I perhaps came away from that trip was is that I was never going to be quite the same again because I had, could, really couldn't sort of imagine until I'd been there to see 250,000 people homeless, really, mm. um, albeit being served by the international community, but sort of left behind, um, throw, had to run away from their own country. And so when I came back from, from that trip with my friend Andrew... Um, it meant that nothing was ever quite the same. And it meant that after I graduated from my forestry degree in Aberdeen, I went off to teach in Africa rather than going to join a forestry company. And as you will hear in this podcast over the future episodes... (laughs) Teaser, teaser, trailer. Much has come of that process, which really went back to that car not starting in Guildford Mm. on that Saturday afternoon. (laughs) Which, by all accounts, could be a bad occurrence, but has set up the rest of your life. From that moment, so. well, can, I, can you? Imagine, I can't tell you how disappointed we were. We're absolutely mm. gutted because we were so excited about this sumptuous leather saloon car. <laughs> That's so crazy. Which, I love stories like that, which are like, you know, if that tiny moment hadn't happened, sliding doors. Yeah, the butterfly effect kind of thing. Isn't I think. It? I think I just referenced a film I haven't seen. Did I? Was it right? Did I? I said sliding doors. Yeah. yeah, sliding doors is the story of a woman who gets on a tube train and doesn't get on the tube train, and and basically how her life totally. Pans out either way. 
diff yeah 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 i haven't seen it but i should see it because then i could confidently use it as a reference i'm not sure how much it holds up to the test of time because it was definitely made a long time ago <laughs> and it might have dated very badly but i used to absolutely love it it's a great plot Who, yeah. who's in it it's gwyneth paltrow oh. uh, and it's john hannah oh classics okay well to- tommy do you have any uh, any butterfly effect moments any sliding oh. doors occurrences? Oh, golly. So far in your short life? Hey. <laughs> well, sometimes you don't know what that butterfly effect is until you sit back and think about it a bit later yeah, on. Yeah, so. com- completely. I think um, I remember when I watched uh, a TV series called um, Master of None. It's basically like, a t- if you haven't seen it, it's, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it's a TV series about a guy who, I guess he's probably late 20s or something, and um, he's deciding what to do with his life and has a bit of a crisis and then at the end of the series this is a bit of a spoiler so if you are going to watch it just skip ahead 30 seconds um he he eventually decides to move to Italy when he had been living in New York for his whole life but had always dreamed of living in Italy and it's that the way it was filmed and the way it's told really just made me go you've got to go and do the things that you want to do like now there is no time to faff around like go and get that dream and uh, that was, I remember really clearly, the moment I finished that TV series was the moment I decided to go and do a ski season for six months because it was something that mm. had been like in the back of my mind for a long time and something I really wanted to do. But I'd never quite got the chutzpah to like go and do it. But then watching that series, I, it just like hit me like a thing being like, oh, I've actually got to go and I've got to like <laughs> do something about it if I want to make it happen. Which is kind, yeah, of, it's a really... it's kind of like a sliding doors thing where if I hadn't, watch that tv show i don't know that i would have gone and done it um but it's it's slightly different in that i think i think i guess a true kind of a true sliding doors butterfly effect moment is one where you you've planned this thing and something doesn't happen so you veer in a different direction as opposed as opposed to but i mean i still think that's that's a mm. that's a cool example of something inspiring you to to i i don't know like choose a path that maybe had felt a bit out of your comfort zone or something. Yeah. Any butterfly effects in your life, Jess? Hmm, it's a good question. N- nothing has sprung to mind in that kind of... something hasn't happened and therefore a different kind of mm. good thing has happened. But um, I think there's been loads of moments where kind of an email has come sort of out of the blue that has sort of started a very different... I don't know, thing, which kind of is the life of working as a freelancer. Mm. So, you know, it's not it's not all that magical. Random things happen <laughs> all the time. But I do remember when we were, um, when I just graduated and we went out to Malaysia and we were uh, running these workshops. So this was a programme that mum and dad um, were kind of leading and I went along as as a facilitator and I was like fresh fresh out of university having had a having had a great time there but but feeling like I'd left with no clearer idea of what on earth Mm. life life was supposed to be now that I'd done the things that you know you go to school cool you go to university great now what um anyway and we were out in Malaysia and I was and when that project came to the end then I just didn't really know what I was going to do and I saw on Twitter that somebody was looking for a deputy stage manager for a show. And this is a role that I'd done a bit of at university, but kind of didn't have loads of experience. But I thought 
I dropped them an email. Um, they couldn't afford to pay like amazingly well. So I sort of felt like maybe I had a bit of an in because, you know, I was a mm. new graduate. So maybe that would balance out with my lack of experience. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then and then I ended up getting I ended up getting that job. It involved doing a Zoom. Or well, I guess back then it was probably a Skype interview, and we were couch surfing in Penang at the time <laughs> at the time when this <laughs> Skype interview came through and I remember trying to connect to this the wi-fi and just the it was completely ridiculous it was dropping in and out and this was probably my first kind of professional interview I'd ever had and I was so nervous and I had that whole dilemma of do you do you arrive with your camera turned on? Do you arrive with the camera oh, turned off? No. I didn't know what the protocol was. It's still a problem today, that whole dilemma. It is still a problem today, but I feel like people are people now, there's a more universal kind of acknowledgement that, that that that's a bit you know, I don't mm. you know, you sort of I guess arrive with your camera off and you decide whether to turn it on, but I'm not worrying about all of that. And uh anyway, and had had this sort of chat. And also because of the time difference, I think it was... I was going to ask about what the time difference is between here and Malaysia. It was definitely late at night where I was. I remember pretending like it was totally, you know, the middle of the day and I wasn't <laughs> at all phased by the fact that I was having this crazy interview. And uh, anyway, and then I got the job and that, that meant that I moved to London. And then that, that was 100% the start of, you know, working in theatre. Mm. So... Like I say, it's not really butterfly effect because... It's more like domino effect. It's like little, yeah, yeah, a little yeah, thing yeah. that you weren't necessarily expecting bigger things to come from just becomes something to- bigger. Mm. Totally. I think it's kind of interesting to, to think about the things that have, I don't know, shifted and shaped your journey because, I don't know, it always makes me remember when I try and think back and think about, like, oh, why something happened and, you know, you just you kind of remember how sort of random a lot of the things that happen are and they're messy life is yeah, in hindsight but it, but also that it is just often influenced by how much you decide to kind of go and do something or not go and mm. do something because you could easily have just spent 200 pounds on to know another car that wasn't as fun beer and chips beer and chips how much i mean beer and chips for 200 pounds that's a lot even these days well ish <laughs> i'm so glad you live in a time where you can get beer and chips for five pounds yeah well i know so how old were you when you went off to Thailand? Uh, I was 18, yeah. You were 18? Just, ah. just finished school. Mm. I totally pictured you being mid-twenties, although that didn't fit with the time frame that you told us about, but that's where I had mm. you in my head. I don't know, I just can't imagine being 18 and doing something like that. It's very extreme, no, what, it seems. On- but in a way, I, I I absolutely wouldn't have done it without without this, this friend, Andrew, who, uh, who, I mean, he was a big influence on me at that stage and definitely pushed me way way beyond sort of boundaries that I was naturally likely to do on my my own from my background and I think there was another thing about going there was that we'd sort of grown up in a comfortable home counties southeast of England environment really and and didn't ever imagine there was much wrong with anything um and then we got out to Cambodia and it was very very insecure so there was mortar attacks from time to time over the border and some of those would land in the area where not only the refugees were, but where the, this team of nurses and doctors were working. And so the last thing that happened before you went to bed at night was to park all the vehicles, reverse them in so they were facing outwards, um, make sure the tanks were full of fuel, the keys were in the ignition, everything was unlocked, so that if any alert came through the night, you could just jump in the cars and, and escape. Yikes. And it was kind of like, oh my word, this is actually, this is a real thing, mm. you know, um, that, that, that people are actually living and dying whilst I was 
sort of um, growing up with my coffee beans and Coca-Cola or whatever <laughs> I was growing up with. <laughs> so I don't know why I said coffee beans and Coca-Cola. Beer and chips the two and coffee beans and Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> anyway. You were a caffeine addict at age 12. Oh, yes. <laughs> so anyway, I think that was another kind of thing. It was just, oh, like, gosh, the world is... You, you know, you, you grew up and you've got your little world that you grew up in and that's what you know. Mm. And you can't, you know, none of us can help that. But it's actually only a very small, small window on it. Mm. And um, the quicker you broaden that horizon, the better. And you did it. Well, that's away. definitely the case. Yeah, I was lucky, really. Mm. So, um, I mean, just in brackets, one of the other things that was slightly interesting um, with Andrew is that it was a very, for a very short period, we were dating identical twin girls. <laughs> that is a, a TV show waiting to happen. That is or so, a film such a ridiculous film. sentence, isn't it? <laughs> no, but it, I mean, they were, they were, they were so fascinating these two because. Uh, just talking about different worlds, I'd grown up in a quite sort of sheltered Christian environment for which I will always be grateful. And they absolutely hadn't, these two. So uh, their father ran a company that printed all the bottle labels in the whole of the United Kingdom. So any time he bought a bottle, beer or shampoo or a glass bottle with a label on it, he printed that label. So he was a very successful businessman and they lived in a big house um, in the town where we were. And we were just sort of open-mouthed every time we went round because it was all just a whole different way mm. of living. Uh, but these these two uh, were were absolutely as thin as rakes, both of them. There was no, really, really um, slim women. And uh, so Andrew had this idea that his old school, which was a well-known sort of public school he'd got a scholarship to, um, every at the end of every term they had this sort of parade of nonsensical nonsense um, because the, the the students there all wore these sort of, I don't know, medieval gowns, really, sort of thick, long, uh, sort of with little britches. I mean, it was like something from the 16th century or something. Weird. Anyway, mm. so he was, he, he'd said, this is, this is worth looking at, going to see, you see. And he said, there's a tower in the grounds of our school that you can get on top of if you're, you're small enough to crawl through the crack above the top of the door and the door frame, he said, because <laughs> the... the he said the doors... He'd left this school a couple of years before, but he said there's, a, there's an angle between the top of the door and the frame. And, and so anyway, we went over there, four of us, cloak and dagger, um, uh, and found this sort of tower and sort of skulking around in the bushes. These two were called Fiona and Claire, and, and, and Claire was the, the, the slimmer one of the two, which was saying something. And so anyway... Um, we had to sort of give her a leg up using hand, hands and you can just imagine it all sort of wobbling and shrieking and trying not to be seen or heard and anyway she got to the top of this door and managed to just slither through the top from which she could get down and open the door inside and let us in mm. and that meant that we could go all the way up the stairs and sit on the roof of this tower <laughs> <laughs> and, and watch the parade of all these sort of Many masters doors. and students going by and and you know lob the occasional acorn at the at the person who looked particularly pompous or something like that. So I'm not proud of this story <laughs> at all, I'm, but it was it was great fun. I'm really glad we just teased that story up because I've never I don't think I've ever heard that one before. That's very funny. That's amazing. So is it like a medieval reenactment thing? Do you mean this parade? No, they wear they wear these things to school normally. I mean it's it's, oh. it's the school uniform. Huh, it's, interesting. Uh, I mean I, I don't. Don't know if they do now, but this is mm. this is sort of thirty, forty years ago. But uh, it, it was it, even then; it was ridiculous, you know, sort of mm. absurd. But I think you got a very good education there, apparently. Well, but did you learn how to slither through tiny gaps above doors and mm. you know break into bell towers? Well, I was too big for that, and I had a twenty-eight waist at the time, which was which <laughs> Ooh, is well, did you? Yeah. Goodness <laughs> me, slim, <laughs> I think it's known as a mini skimp. 
Minnie Skimp was his nickname. Yeah. Just to reference, uh, uh, that was that was your family nickname when you were small, they, right? They called me Minnie Skimp until I reached eighteen, and then my sister unilaterally changed it to Maxi Scamp. So, they, uh, <laughs> Skimp so you, you, you were on the cusp of becoming Maxi Scamp at that point. So. I was probably just I, on the very cusp. Exactly. <laughs> Either way, Entering. I couldn't slither, slither through this gap. <laughs> yes. I, this is completely off topic and you might want to cut it out later, but I'll go anyway. Mm. Um, it's a joy of I'm attempting people. to make my own clothes currently, which is, I guess, a, it's an exploration of uh, creativity in a time when the theatres can't be open and potentially a sort of more sustainable way of making clothes, if I'm any good at it, mm. <laughs> which, which mm. we will very much wait and see. But it's it's a completely bizarre thing trying to work out body measurements and mm. fabric i i i was having i was getting into such a mess yesterday where because I'm, I'm making a dress and uh, i've got all the pattern pieces cut out and i bought the material that to the size that you're supposed to buy it and i could i could not make these pattern pieces fit and then eventually i was like well i'll just make it a shorter dress because that's the only way it will fit is if it's if it's shorter and then it, and then it will fit and then i was trying to measure how long i want it to be and the the pattern piece was so basically I wanted it to be just above the knee and the pattern piece looked like it was going to be ankle length but it's not but it's not supposed to be huh. anyway so I made it a lot shorter and it and it fit but I'm I'm slightly worried that I'll get to a point in the uh, in the you know the instructions where it's like becomes clear and that this it's... is what all the extra length was yeah. for and I'll go, oops <laughs> a little t-shirt instead oh just yeah a rocker t-shirt that'll be grand what a great idea though yeah Genius. Fun. yeah i mean it, there's a big there's a big large if if it goes the same way as your masks well true well the masks were what were the stepping stone really because mm. because they were quite fun to make but um i would say it's a it's quite it feels like quite a bigger undertaking making making actual clothes um, yeah, I mean, so complicated. I think the reason why it's hard to find clothes in shops that fit you is because they're sort of trying to make it for a, one body size when people mm. are all different shapes and sizes. Mm. And I'm hoping that what this will mean is I can just make things that... Because I often find that things are way too long because I'm, I'm, I guess, a bit shorter than the, mm. I don't know, average clothes size so maybe i can just custom everything but there's there's such a big if we'll we'll i'll i'll feed back when i've uh, finished this dress and let you know <laughs> we'll open a merch store next episode <laughs> handmade by jess seems like a good point to mention for those of you in the podcast listeners who don't know that my father ran a gentleman's outfitters shop uh, which he uh, inherited from his father uh, edward clark who set it up in the 1910s 20s or something but um uh my father was able to um, make made-to-measure clothes. You might be interested to know. Well, no, he didn't actually make them himself, but he'd measure up for them. And in fact, by the end of his career, he could uh, see a chap walking across the other side of the road and say, well, that's a 42 short portly if ever I saw one. <laughs> and he could... Uh, he, and if, if somebody came into the, to the shop, he would be able to pick a suit off the rack and, uh, and it would fit without you know without try, even trying it on it would it would just fit because he could size somebody out and that i mean that whole shop and selling of clothes it will be a, a, a massive resource of future stories a little i can assure you boiling pot of tails that is an amazing skill it is i could really do with somebody who could do that for me because i feel like I'd, i like having new clothes that i like 
but I hate going shopping for clothes because basically nowhere seems to fit me very well. I'm very bad at, um, I think my body's just badly designed is my problem. <laughs> it's a bit I, unusual my, but it, that bit, yeah. it's a bit unusual but you need somebody like dad to, 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 to fit you to, to say what, what you need yeah. mm. because I what I find and this is something that has I, I I can't yet work out whether it's me making excuses for myself or whether it is the truth but I find that my legs are really short and my torso is very long and uh, that makes finding clothes very tricky because clothes that are my waist size are often way too long for my legs and t-shirts are often short or too wide. Basically, it's a big problem. But it also seems to be a problem for yoga, which, like everybody in the world, I have recently got very excited about. And any sitting down pose, which there are a lot of, I really, really struggle with. I can't sit up mm. cross-legged. And I think it's because, like, the weight of my legs doesn't balance out the top of my body. It sort of bends. You're built all wrong. I'm built all wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm... Blame sh- the parents, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, Jeez. honestly, couldn't you have designed me better? I feel like there's probably yoga master who's going to listen to this and say, no, you just need to exercise your core more or something. Yeah, Which... I think, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to shoot you down, but I do feel like <laughs> oh, that think... you are just making excuses because you haven't quite done yoga. I did such a good job yoga. of making it sound like it could be that, though. <laughs> I've but I've recently bought some yoga blocks and bricks, which means that you can sit on them and make it a lot easier to do your sitting poses. So, uh, there you go. Well, if it, if it makes any any makes you feel any better, I I I can't remember meeting somebody who's tall as you with a twenty nine inch inside leg. I think that's very very. And unusual. I told you, I'm so. I'm bon- my whole body is bonkers. The the yeah, funniest. No, I'm just agreeing with you. The, the funniest point um, that sort of really told me that this was this was funny, was um, sometime last year, me and my friend Alex, who is, I don't know how tall she actually is. She might be like, mm, sorry, Alex, if I get this really wrong. She might be like 5'3 or something, 5, I don't know. Anyway, she's quite, she's a lot shorter than I am, but her her hips are in the same place because my <laughs> legs are so short and her legs are like normal length that um, our hips are in the, And it's so funny because I'm probably, you know, about a foot taller than her. But that's all in my torso. <laughs> but what's, what's funny is you, you, don't, you don't look out of proportion. That's the funny thing. Mm. But, um, and I'll tell you what it reminds me of, that book, The Phantom Tollbooth, those people who oh, were born and grew down to... Born at the right height and grew down oh, to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's so good. I love, I love that. That is a really good book. You were just born at the wrong height, Tommy, and yeah. you hit the ground too soon or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there's a little person that just, like, flicks a switch when you're torso turns into your legs and they just were you know reading reading the latest yeah, like tweets or something they were like quick quick we have to flick the switch <laughs> i think that's the most likely it's nothing to do with me needing to exercise my core more it's um no it's that somebody got distracted when got they the, needed to yes, flick the torso, flick the torso switch. switch classic <laughs> should we stop talking about my body now <laughs> <laughs> i mean one i would say that you brought it up but we can absolutely start one of those things that um sort of wish you didn't start when you started it but... no it's great no it all helps the the podcast listener to connect <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you feel suitably connected, podcast listener. This has been a pleasure. It has. It's been a total pleasure. Excellent storytelling, Stevie. I can't wait yeah, to hear top marks what you've got in five, store for I'm us. Gonna, I'm going to rate this podcast five stars on uh, iTunes, thanks to your great storytelling. So this will be uh, another month and we have another one. Yeah, a monthly occurrence. It's just like story time for us, which is great. So mm. we're... So dream up, dream up your best and brightest escapade and we'll be listening intently. <laughs> we're here ready to listen. And um, for those who are listening, do let us know what you think of the podcast because it's, I mean, this is a new thing for us. We've been trying to get it off the ground for a while 
finding our feet and things. Um, so just tell us if what you enjoy. Um, don't tell us what you don't enjoy if you don't want to hear bad things. You can find us at The Pod Clarks across most social media channels. So go and find us and tell us what you think. Till the next time, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Bye. 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 Bye.